and welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the Video Game Book Club podcast. Today we're discussing Hellblade Sending a Sacrifice. I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. First off, we have Greg. What up? And then we have the homie Trevor. What's going on? So this is the first game of April. Um, this is Greg's month, so I'm going to kick it to him so he can introduce the game. All right, so this is the, I guess, the second Ninja Theory game we've done, I want to say. Um, so I picked uh, Hellblade, uh, Sinuous Sacrifice, and the reason why I picked this is just it's been a game that I've kind of been meaning to get around to and just really haven't, and um, also been a pretty big fan of Ninja Theory's previous game, so I figured it'd be worth checking out. Um, Hellblade is an action-adventure game developed and published by Ninja Theory. Um, they basically treated this as an independent game. It was announced uh, at 2014 Gamescom for PlayStation 4, and Ninja Theory described it as an experience focused on delivering a deep character in a twisted world with brutal, uncompromising combat. Um, and they, they set out to make a more focused game experience. Um they wanted to have the polish of a AAA game, but the sensibilities of an indie game, if that makes sense. Uh, I think the game was developed with a pretty small amount of people. I think 20 people total. Um, it's inspired by Norse mythology and uh, Celtic culture and follows uh, Senua, a picked warrior who must make her way through Helheim, defeating otherworldly entities and facing their challenges um, in order to rescue the soul of her dead lover uh, from the goddess Hela. Uh, the game focuses on Sinua's struggle with psychosis and even goes as far as to tie the character's disorder into many of the mechanics in the game. Uh, one in particular is the, uh, I guess, quote-unquote permadeath system, uh, saying if you fail uh, too many times, the rot will consume Sinua and all progress will, progress will be lost. Uh, gameplay is a mix of uh, weapon-based combat and puzzles, and it features Ninja Theory's renowned performance capture. Um, even has a little bit of uh, has motion capture along with some uh, live action performances as well. Uh, Hellblade was released digitally for PC and P- PS4 on August 8, 2017. Uh, following the period of time console exclusivity for PS4, an Xbox One version of the game with enhanced graphical support on Xbox One X was released. Uh, April 11, 2018. Uh, VR support was added later that year, and a Switch version of the game is slated to be released uh, spring this year. Uh, Hellblade released to critical acclaim, sitting at around an 84 on Metacritic, and it was a commercial success and was said to have sold better than expected while uh, breaking even around three months from release. Um, as of June 2018, the game had sold over a million copies across all three platforms. Cool. Appreciate that. Um, before we get into it, what version of the game did everybody play? Uh, I played on Xbox One X. I played on PS4. And I played on PC. Okay. We got the, <laughs> the Trinity. Master Race. <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> I had some technical difficulties, so I don't know about Master Race. Um, go ahead. Did, uh... I know the game kind of recommends you use headphones. Did anybody play with headphones the entire time? Or I did. Okay. So I, played I don't about half of it with headphones. I actually don't remember the game recommending it, but maybe just because I wasn't paying attention to boot up. But uh, 
I the first time I played it, I maybe played like twenty minutes, and then I was just like whatever. And then I hopped back in, and then Dante suggested playing with headphones, so I played it with headphones from then on out. And I didn't, I didn't even I don't even know if I hit a checkpoint because I think that very first you, you do like a cutscene. It's like a twenty minute cutscene, and I just remember being it was late and it was kind of like really moody, and I was just like I'll just play this later. <laughs> And, um, yeah, man, I, I, um, did you, did you guys pick this game up when it first came out? Um, I didn't, I, I recently just got it cause it, it ended up being in the Xbox game pass. So I just kind of downloaded it like, Oh, I'll get to this eventually. What about you, Trevor? Um, I originally played it probably like I'm trying to think how long. It wasn't immediately at release, but I know mm-hmm. I had already heard all the hype about the game, and because it was like after I got a PS4, which was November 2017. Mm-hmm. So it definitely wasn't at the release, but I had heard about it and wanted to play it. I was, yeah, I was. I recently picked it up, I guess within the past, like this year. But this was a game that had always been on my radar because. Kind of like what Greg had said, like, I'm a, you know, fan of Enslaved, and I heard about this game, and I was like, oh, that, even down to her headband, kind of made me think of Enslaved. Did you guys catch that, or think of that? Nah. It's funny, because... It makes sense, though. I I played this game before we played Enslaved, Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like the other way You saw it the other way? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Especially, like, with the the live-action cutscenes. Like Dude, so it's it's there's a lot of I don't want to say through lines because the games are different, but there are some parallels. Like the game looks like it is from the same developer to me. Um, this like like what you said with the, some of the live action clips and just like the way the characters face. Like there's something about Sinua's face, maybe how it's either captured or how they. Just I think it's like the it. eyes. It's just the eyes and the the way the mouth is for some reason. It's just like the things that the way the character animates and it, the way it makes its expressions. It, it's like Ninja Theory, I, I guess. And like I'm I'm saying that only having played this these two games. Like I, I didn't play DMC, so I have no idea how that looks or even how Heavenly Sword looks compared to those two. So. One kind of weird thing about the, uh, I guess the main character in this game, I found out when I was like watching some stuff about this game. So, the the uh, actor that plays her, that, this was her first role ever. Yeah, and she actually uh, worked for the studio, which is kind of weird. Yeah, so that she was like a, um, uh, dang, what was her role? She had a completely different like title there at the studio and she was actually yeah. doing the stand-in for the actress who was supposed to play or eventually play um the role and then they liked her doing it so much that she ended up doing it i believe it i believe it she does it i think i think that's one of the things the the getting into the game a little bit the voice acting is very well done um especially how they play with the the psychosis that she has like the mental uh issues that Sinua is having, so she has like, um, I think it's schizophrenia, right? Yeah. And she has these voices in her head, and playing it in headphones, you can hear two 
sometimes three separate voices talking to you and they're coming in from different sides of your headphones and the way the game kind of plays with sound is really interesting um i i can't think of another game where i've had to play with headphones and like i don't play shooters or anything like that so i know people use that for like online games to give themselves an edge but is there do do you guys play games with headphones often and if if so how does that re- relate to this typically no i mean um i don't know man like i'm it's hard enough for me to go through like horror games <laughs> without something like that adding to it so it's like i don't i don't think i mean I, yeah i can't really think any other times that i actually play uh play with headphones i think yeah a lot of mobile games that like utilize um really uh i guess like atmospheric um type music like for the ambiance it's trying to think of one that'd be kind of weird when you think about it with like a mobile game because you don't you think about where you probably would be playing a game on your phone Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that would almost take you out the element but yeah yeah i'm just <laughs> just having background stuff like you would need some type of no- i guess it depends on the type of game because if it's a game like yeah. this obviously noise canceling like i i would have my fan on or like my uh ac unit or whatever uh, in my window and trying to play this game and i was just like you know what let me just be hot because i need to hear what's going on in this game so let me turn it <laughs> off because i don't need to hear the stuff in the background and I can't imagine doing that, like, on a bus or something. <laughs> like, the only reason I even played with headphones, like, it was recommend, recommending it, but, like, my kids were just, like, extremely loud to the point where I was like, yeah, I can't do this. So mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to put the headphones in so I can actually hear uh, what the... Because I felt like I'd be missing out if I couldn't hear what the voices were saying. Um, so I was like, all right, let me do this. Speaking of which, did you guys think the voices... What did they do for you? Um... I don't know, man. I think it's uh, it adds to the game like completely. I mean, I don't think I was bothered by it. it didn't you know? I, I couldn't remember too many times of like repeating dialogue or anything like that. So I felt like they were doing a good job, you know, giving out. And also, there is some contextual information that they give exactly. <laughs> so um, that's also pretty important. I like for me. I thought it was so. I think it did a really good job of depicting schizophrenia and just you know, like, what Sinua was going through and kind of did a really good job of putting you in her shoes because, I mean, they were critiquing what you were doing. And they, you know, like, <laughs> go back, or why did she go that way, or why did she do that, or um, what's, yeah, what's down there? And it, it, it's almost, like, it reminded me of watching a movie with my wife. <laughs> Just <laughs> She's always, like commentating and everything but it, it it really did like i'm like oh shoot should i go down there and especially like later in the game um before you're about to fight the uh i can't remember the character's name the the, the beast what is the beast's name uh you're talking about later in the game or am i thinking of like where you're running later in the game corridor. the four-legged beast um hold on I, I Girl, it real quick. Yeah. 
like anyways when you get to like um let me see what part of the game so after you do the trials of odin oh and you get to helheim and yeah. there's like shadows and like even before then when you're just first finner okay they're like making it so more tense than it has to be they're like he sees you he's watching you and i'm like i just got here what are you talking like what are you talking about like who um can't you feel him uh i can feel it he's watching you do you smell do you smell you know and it's just like damn like i know something is about to go on and it starts to like get me on the edge of my seat and i'm just like yo like is this thing gonna like and like how I am anyways when I play these type of games I'm like is something gonna pop out from like behind the corner or do I need to be looking for something mm-hmm. like I, the I don't want to say atmosphere but just the the voices do such a good job of heightening like my level of anxiety while I'm playing this game and I'm like a fairly I don't like scary things and, like, just even, like, walking, like, that first section when you're walking through the forest and the trees are just, you know, sticking up out the ground. We're in, like, a, I guess you could say, like, I think you said it was Nor- Norse slash Celtic mythology. Yeah. So we can imagine we're in, like, the Scandinavia area and these trees are just poking up out of the the ground and they look like bony fingers and like there's no leaves on them and they're just twisted in like all types of gnarly looking ways and like the the atmosphere itself i mean you're seeing crows and just bodies like either burnt or mangled or in cages and just like people have suffered where you're at and you're just like trying to figure out where you're at and hearing these voices and I'm just thinking like something is going to pop up around the corner at any minute and it just creates a very unsettling feeling for me and I could not shake it the entire game like I was like kind of tiptoeing almost <laughs> throughout this game where it's just like you know I'm, I'm trying to take in my environment because I don't want anything to sneak up on me but at the same time like I want to get out of this area. <laughs> I think like the first maybe 30, 40 minutes of the game, I felt like that. And and I think they, they intentionally do it like that because the the game doesn't tell you anything as far as like what you're doing. I guess we kind of have an idea, but like the game doesn't really tell you like even the first encounter of the game. It's not like there's any prompt saying this is how you attack. Obviously, no tutorialization. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the first time, you get in the game, you don't really know what's going on as far as well, what kind of, at least for me, I didn't know if this was going to be like a horror game. I didn't know if it was going to be like some eternal darkness type thing where it just, it, it plays with your, you know, it tries to play with you in like a bunch of like meta ways. Um, but, you know, again, even when you get into combat for the first time, it's like, I don't know what I can really do right now, right? I know there's, I know what button does what, but it's like, I don't know the, you know they kind of throw you in there and it kind of makes you feel like, Oh man, what, what is going on with this? But I appreciate it though. Mm hmm. But like the entire, like, and I kind of like what you said, like it, it, for me, it was maybe like, I was always tense, but there in the back of my mind, especially after playing like the first hour, 
hour and a half, once I got into the flow of things, I knew, like, in the back of my mind, I knew when I was getting to a combat area, you know? And, like, you never get snuck up on by enemies. They just spawn in front of you. Oh, yeah. And, like, that kind of took me out of, like, feeling like... Like, the best way I can describe it is, like, it felt like I was playing, like, in my mind, I'm, I'm I'm treating it like I'm playing a Resident Evil or a Evil Within, where it's like, I don't really know what is going to pop up, but I just need to always be on my toes in case something does come out and surprise me. But you never have that happen. You, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm thinking I'm climbing up a ladder and, you know, you can't, the way the camera is situated, it's behind her shoulder or, you know, looking up at her as she's climbing up a ladder. So I just always imagine when I get up there, there's going to be somebody up there, you know? <laughs> and that was never the case. And any, like I said, anytime you walked into an area, you could tell it was like, oh, there's a big, I mean, not a circle, but essentially like a big flat area with no, you know, uh, uh, Things to block or, you know, trees or n- nothing in the way. Oh, this is going to be a combat area. And then something would spawn and then she just pulls out her sword automatically. I'm like, okay, now it's fighting time. Yeah, I think that was the biggest tell was just the fact that, uh, you know, the sword pops out before you see anything else. So it's kind of like, all right, well, or I guess it's at the same time, basically. So there's not a whole lot of fear as far as getting, you know, any like jump scares. But do you, oh, I guess I'll ask this, do you feel like the game would have benefited from doing that or you were kind of cool with it being the way it is? I think overall I'm cool with the way it is, mostly because, like I said, for myself, it was still a tense environment throughout the game. So even though I knew enemies weren't around every corner, um, I still was like the atmosphere and the characters... um, or, you know, the voices in your head speaking to you did enough to create that tense environment that I didn't have to worry about fighting. And then at the same time, too, like, I feel like some people, um, just with the way the game does that death system with the rock, mm-hmm. that I feel like some people may uh, may not have liked this surprise thing happening when they're, you know, one life or you know one death away from losing or whatever yeah so i can understand them having to designate these are the combat areas for that reason yeah i think i can agree with that did you um i have one more question written down where is it at did you guys so can you explain the rot system because you mentioned it and i don't know if we actually even talked about it okay so the way it's supposed to be is, uh, um, I might be like kind of not describing this in the best way, but after each death, um, the rot, which is basically kind of like the darkness, I guess it like takes over Senua, um, more and more. And what it, it's basically alluded to, it gets to her head. Um, if the rot goes too far, um, or advances too far in her, yeah, then basically all progress is lost. Like basically trying to insinuate that there's a permanent death system, but I want to say that they they found out like within a few like maybe the 
before the game even came out that it's not really permadeath and you can keep dying and you know it's not going to cause you to lose any progress it stops at a certain <laughs> point um, and I forgot what the developer had said that I have I, it up know, right now <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, if you want to give the direct quote but something along the lines of they did it intentionally to try and make people you know feel a little bit you know I guess add tension to the game basically yeah so the exact wording they have is the dark rot will grow each time you fail if the rot reaches Sinwa's head her quest is over and all progress will be lost and so a lot of people players and whatever interpret it as a permadeath and um, if you died you'd get your save wipe and you'd have to start over and the chief creative director uh, to meme Anton Adias, Des, or I don't know. Anyways, he says the wording for the permadeath message was chosen quite carefully because we didn't want to lie to the player. It's actually your interpretation of the message that is what threw people off. And basically, he says a large part of the game is about fear, and a large part of mental illness, psychosis in particular, is about fear. Um, and basically, what they want to do is this character is dealing with this innate fear about these situations. So what is a way we can introduce fear to the player beyond, like, what is happening on screen, basically? You know? And I... So, like, I think what they they actually do is... um, Because, I mean, I think everybody thought, like, oh, if I die X number of times, then that's it. Like, I gotta start over. And, um... Uh... What in actuality is the rock will gradually creep up her arm, but it will never reach her head no matter how often you fail in combat. And I think Trevor even said, too, um, the game does things to make it a slightly yeah, easier for the player to regress if you die area where, X amount of times in a section. Isn't that right, Trevor? Times, not necessarily because of, you know, bad playing, but more so because it got kind of um, repetitive. And um, and I just let my character, or I try to let my character die, but I noticed that yeah. every time it died, or every time Senua died, um, it would it would take less enemies in order to get to the next scene, or to pass that particular section. So I want to say that plays a, a factor mm-hmm. in it as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly all the ways that it makes it slightly easier, but I thought that, like, a lot of people felt deceived by this thing, and people were put off by it, but I think it's a, I think it's like if you read about it, like, I guess it'd be annoying, but I think playing it and then having to, like, deal with that innate, like, especially, like, I didn't know this until after I'd beaten the game, but, like, every time I died, I'm like, oh, crap, I'm a little bit closer, you know, like... And I think it does a really good job of, like, keep just a little bit of tension in the game. Like, there's always something that, in the back of your mind, like, is causing a little anxiety. Whether it's, like, oh, I see that stuff growing up her arm. Or, um, I hear these voices and this atmosphere. The setting is really weird. Or, you know, like, I just think this game overall, it's a very good-looking game in a very, I want to say, generic environment. But I feel like the entire time it's very tense. It's it's one of those things that if we weren't in the internet age, that would be like super, you know, like super affecting, I think. What you mean? 
Well, because something like, all right, like think about it as far as if we weren't, you know, if we didn't have the internet and going back to like, let's say, you know, 90s or something like that, like somebody tells you, I mean, that's something that somebody would have to tell you, hey, you know, the game tells you that you're going to lose progress if you keep dying, but actually that doesn't happen. So it's kind of like a word of mouth thing that you would find. Oh, yeah. You get what I'm saying? But like, it's kind (laughs) of... It's kind of ruined by the fact that, like, you know, if you just look up anything about or the game, like I'm, I'm like pretty like sure finding that pops up. Like the word of mouth, like music. Mortal Kombat fatalities, yeah. or like, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, but that rare candy glitch worked. <laughs> um, what did you guys think about like the the environment overall? Like, I, I like I said, I thought it was creepy, but just. Something about the setting just didn't really do much for me. Like, they did a lot with what they... I mean... It just... it's We've seen this before, almost, you know? Yeah. It was just, like, kind of unremarkable to me. Uh, I really did like the puzzles and that they introduced into the game and, like, how they forced you to play with perspective or... Um, looking at things with a thing in mind, but overall I thought very really like poor the, generic. I mean, like this was like a, to me, it was like, Oh, like this is God of war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it made me think of like God of war at some points or evil within or like the Afro samurai game. Like it, I don't, it did. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, like, it, it was probably, like, maybe my one, not one knock, but, like, one of my main knocks was just, like, the overall, just, like, oh, it's just rocks and, you know, like, we're in a forest, or... Oh, I mean, it has that unreal engine village to it. And, you know, just... Which is, I don't know, it was, with, yeah, with Unreal Engine, it either looks, it either looks like Unreal Engine, Dark. or it looks <laughs> like, nothing like Unreal dirty. Engine. Greasy. Like depending on how they develop it, there's there's usually never in, any in between. That's fair. That's fair. Um, there. Um, I guess we can kind of get into the game. I guess the only other thing was with the combat. We need to talk about this combat. So, like, kind of how Greg alluded to, you first pop, the the way they introduce the rot system is you fight against this enemy, and you really like they just drop you in. And I think you're supposed to lose to this enemy, but they don't really tell you. There's no tutorialization in the game at all. There's no HUD. There's like nothing about this that like screams video game. And it's just, all right, the dude like pops in, and I'm like waiting for the game to like <laughs> slow down and just thing. pop up some text. And the next thing I know, this dude hit me like three times, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I know. And, uh, I mean, yeah, like what Greg said, you can pause the game and see the, the controls from the pause screen, but, yeah, the um, there's a lot of, I don't want to say trial and error, because I feel like the combat is very straightforward, and I, I, I saw when I was reading after I beat the game some of the knocks of this game, at least specifically in comparison to what people's... Uh, preconceived uh, notions or their expectations of the game was coming from Ninja Theory uh, developer was that, oh, well, 
they just came out with Devil May Cry. So this is going to be a really combat-heavy game or, you know, like, combo-focused game as well. And it's not that. And then I even saw people were saying this is even more simplified than something like Enslaved, which I do agree with that. Yeah. Um, But I still think the combat in this game is... It's something. I don't want to say it's like... I, it's fun, but it's also frustrating. It's a little bit of both. Um, what do you guys think about the combat? I, I had a, a couple of gripes with it, but overall I did uh, enjoy once I got the sw- in, into the swing of things. And by the end of the game, like I was like, oh, cool. Like I, I'm, I can tell I'm noticeably better at this. So I thought the combat was, I guess, serviceable, I guess. I wasn't... It wasn't amazing, but... It's no Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. No Metal Gear. <laughs> but, but there's, like... There are some mechanics in there. Like, I mean, there's there's a parry system. Um, you know, you can... If you time your block uh, at a correct time, you can block and parry and get, like, a counterattack. Um, there's a little bit of stuff you can do with the combo system as far as you can do a combo then uh, dodge and continue the combo again and then dodge and do another combo so you can kind of keep that going over and over if you actually do it but I I guess the best thing about it or the best thing I can say about it is the combat didn't get uh, it didn't get in the way of my enjoyment of the game right it was there to kind of break up the going from one area doing puzzle I was not here for the combat trying to break that up I guess yeah, I Bust mean it's it's not bad, but damn. I think the first time I played it, I had gotten to a point where the game got really repetitive and got burned out on the combat. Like it looks good, it feels good. Like when you do a good parry and you know defeat an enemy, like it feels great. But like once it starts getting repetitive, you realize how simple the system is. And it's kind of just like rinse and repeat. Yeah, that that's kind of my my gripe as well. Like I think the combat, like I guess, almost mimicking what you said, the combat is fine. It's not fun, um, and it is very repetitive. I I did like. There's a portion of the game where I didn't expect it, but um, there's a portion of the game where there's no combat. It's just like mostly puzzles and atmosphere. One of my favorite parts of the game. But then you go from that part of the game to immediately be thrown being being thrown into basically like almost a horde mode <laughs> where you're just fighting back to back to back to back to back enemies in like three or four situations. You're basically walking from one area to the next, fighting hordes of enemies with no puzzles or nothing in between. Um, and that kind of soured me on combat, uh, especially after seeing the game without combat. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, it can still be tense, and it can still have this cool atmosphere, but then when you're just going from combat scenario to combat scenario, there's no, like, there was no tension. It was just, like, going from one chore to the next, And especially at the end of the game where they just start to throw way more enemies at you, it just made me... I I wish there was like a Switch character you're focusing on or something. 
because you're usually fighting in the beginning you're fighting like one character at a time but then they start to introduce two characters at a time and then I think like um, by, by the end there's three three to five characters on screen and there's no really easy way to switch your character's focus and so when you are looking at a character, the camera is behind you, and you are just turning with that character always in front of you. So then you can hear voices say, behind you, or look out, and you don't really know what's going on. And you either have to dodge or block or, you know, just get out of the way. But it, it I, I think that is how they create that tension, and I think it was definitely a design decision, but it was a design decision that I don't really care for. I wish it was... And to add to uh, that, uh, just a better way of switching something that didn't like your combat system, on, basically. Um, it, it's not Arkham um, Asylum or Assassin's Creed, where basically one enemy is attacking you at a time. Like even if you do a successful parry, you could still get hit by another enemy. And like I, I understand it. You know, it's hey, you know. Mm-hmm. Fair fights, whatever, Which, or not necessarily fair, but you know, you get jumped. You're not going to be able to block multiple enemies at a time. But as far as a game, I don't necessarily like that style of combat, where like even if you block one enemy, another enemy can still hit you. Yeah, the one thing I will say though is there are um, certain animations you can do where you yeah. do become invincible. So then, like, you won't get attacked yeah. or hit by the swing or whatever. But I just wish you could control the camera and, you know, turn the camera around you. Maybe not even change who you're locked on, but be able to see if I'm swinging at somebody. Let me look behind me to see what's going on behind me. I'm trying to think if there was... There was one other thing with combat that I... They, so, when I talked to you, Trevor, I remember <laughs> you asking me, so have you got to the part where you no longer like the game? <laughs> he said you asked me something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds familiar. Have you gotten to the part where the game is no longer fun? <laughs> or so you said something like that. I was like, what a, what a leading question. <laughs> and then, like, after, I think I know the part you're talking about, actually. <laughs> Funny enough, after I, you know, thought about it, I was like, and got to that part, I was like, this is the part Trevor was probably talking about. But, um, it, it just, they don't really add anything, and you never really feel like you know what you're doing in combat. And I, I, I didn't know the focus thing slowed down. I found that out, like, maybe an hour or two hours in or something Exactly. Like that. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, and I, I kind of was wondering, like, does the game do a good enough job of, like, and when I say does it do a good enough job, it doesn't do a job of teaching you how to play or how to do combat. And I feel like this is would be Dante. <laughs> if he was here, he'd be rolling his eyes and be like, you're just supposed to figure it out, you know? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> well, he wouldn't say that, think, but <laughs> I do think with the focus thing, it maybe they they intended it to only for you to really only find that out at the first boss because they mentioned it there, um, or I think they call it out. I think uh, you're like one of the voices tells you to focus during that fight. Yeah, and then that's kind of how you find out about it. But 
I don't know. Maybe that. I guess that's what they were intending with that. I, I mean, sure. I I think so too. But it's just like certain things, like the the charge mechanic with the heavy strike, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was something that I found out like near the end of the game, or like when you parry somebody. Like, what is the best follow up or whatever? What was the use of the kick besides the shield opponents? You know, just like mm-hmm. things like that, where it was like. Man, I, I like what is the difference between me using a like a kick versus a quick attack or a kick versus a heavy attack? I know which one takes the slow, you know, is the longest animation, and I know like what they what they do um, to the enemy and how it repositions you on the battlefield. But like, does one do more damage, or does one cr- pr- start this scenario up where I'm at a better advantage? Or like, I, I just didn't know what the things did. And I just didn't want to, like, because of the rot mechanic, I'm like, I don't want to take a risk and mess up. And because I'm, you know, experimenting on the battlefield, I don't want to waste a life because I'm just messing around, you know? Yeah. So, like, it made me, I, the, the, the rot mechanic kind of made me play safe or more safe than I normally would. And so, like, it was less impetus for me to experiment in, in combat. And even another thing that this is another thing I didn't know you could mash buttons when you got downed. Oh, you didn't! Wow, because like, I just did that instinctively. And like, that's the difference between us because I don't mash buttons. We've gone <laughs> over this before. I don't mash buttons, so I'm like, "What the hell? When is she, is she going to get up? Is she going to get up?" And then, so every time I was down, I was like, "Oh, cool." And then I, I forgot what what. I think on accident one time because I didn't I I got hit by something behind me mm-hmm. and so I got downed but I was in the middle of doing a quick attack string on another opponent so I got downed and I had hit XXX or you know whatever and so that third hit I was on my knees and I saw the screen like kind of light up a little bit when I hit it mm-hmm. and I so I was like let me do it again and then I saw that the thing was flashing I was like are you serious? I could have been getting up this entire time. <laughs> so what happens if you don't get up? You just basically die? They come up to you and they swing on you and you die. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, so I had four or five deaths that way because I didn't know you could mash. That's crazy. <laughs> and I'm not saying that the game... I mean, it's kind of weird because I'm like, okay, I eventually learned or figured out, but the game doesn't tell you and it's just like, I'm not the type to like... I'm not going to hit buttons. <laughs> I guess I need to hit buttons. <laughs> and, and I guess it's one of those things... Okay, so I can agree that that might be a detriment a little bit that they don't tell you, but... Um, and I feel like a lot of that... It's not... You don't need it to get through the combat, right? I feel like as long as you know that dodge gives you a bunch of in- invincibility and, you know, like a XXY or YYY then, you know, you basically should be able to make it through most of the combat. Yeah. Yeah. The the one thing that I will say to the combat, I did positive. I do like when you do get up from being downed, then you're kind of like struggling and you're like a lot more groggy and slow. So Mm -hmm, all the animations, your dodge animations and your swinging animations take even longer time. So you're not going to be able to chain like two or three quick attacks Back to back to back, it's kind of like dodge, quick attack, and then you're you like that's it, <laughs> like you can't swing no more. Yeah, even if you um, and when you're in that state, even if you block and you try and do a, you can't like 
counterattack after you block. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. And so I did and like that. I want to say it's like that with the enemies as well. Like, they, if they're almost dead, like, they can't swing on you like, you know, like they normally could. It's... No, I had sirens in the background, so... You like any of this stuff, Trevor? You've been quiet. Um... <laughs> It, it's pretty good. Like enemies, oh, the you. enemy AI, um, it, it's fine. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Like, nothing in this game that literally stopped me from playing. Um, um, but yeah, Time. put that on the back of the box. Time. Like I was, I was kind of with you about the the focus thing. Like some of the, there were fine. quite a few things that I wish were tutorialized that I didn't even use until later on in the game. Um, um but and was I it, think it was. How did, um, did you find it out through experimentation? Yeah, looking at a walkthrough that that was probably it because I wasn't using focus at first because I thought. Focus was going to be like this precious resource that was hard to to build up, um, but then once I actually like started getting more charges and and was able to use it, you know, that was when I started figuring out how to use it strategically. And then once you get to that point where there's just a ton of enemies, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. the horde mode coming at you, it, I, I think that's kind of the best practice for it. But yeah, it's kind of almost too late. <laughs> it's like at the very end of the game. Don't get me wrong; this is a short game, so we're talking five, six hours in is when you hit this horde mode. But like at that point, like I mean, <laughs> I mean, you've been playing for that long, and you're almost done with the game. It's kind of like just keep doing what you've been doing to get there. Um. Are there any other systems or mechanics or anything we need to talk about? I feel like we've... I was about to say, I, I want to get to, to what I like best about this uh, game. Maybe <laughs> just puzzles and then, I mean... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. well, first of all, before we get into the puzzles... Oh, um, uh, okay. All right, then go ahead, man. Talk about, talk really about puzzles, talk about. Regardless of some of the environment design, I think this game has really good level design, um, especially in its use of puzzles, because there are... Like, one of the first puzzles that you run across is, like, the runes, where it shows you, like, a little glyph, and you have to figure out um, where there's, like, a, a hidden symbol um, that matches that same glyph. And it could be, like, a shadow, it could be an alignment in the, the tree branches or something that forms the same symbol, um, but you do that in order to unlock doors. Um, there's also other puzzles um, that utilize the level design that are um well yeah i di- i didn't want to ruin it if we're going to talk about it like as far as the story it's almost like on, a forced perspective but but yeah it, it uses um um like these these little archways that you walk through and you navigate different ways through the the level that you're on and you have to figure out how to align um pieces of the symbol in order to get it to match up on the door in order to unlock it. So this game does some really interesting stuff with like illusions and, and level design. Yeah, yeah. That's 
Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you got anything to say about the puzzles, Greg? Mm, nothing in particular other than I felt like they were all really good and I didn't find myself having to look up, uh, you know, having to look up any, uh, like a walkthrough to get through any of this. Um, so I felt like everything was like pretty contextual. It, you know, it wasn't too difficult trying to piece everything together. There was one that had me stuck for a little bit. I didn't look anything up, but it was like, oh man, like what am I missing? And that was before I realized that the game kind of tells you where certain things are too. Did you guys notice that? Mm. What the it it, it may I don't know what you call it, but it gives it like you know how like in the Matrix how the the ones and zeros just kind of pop up or I'm tr- oh you talking about like the rune stuff or whatever? yeah yeah okay well I guess the thing that gave that away was like you'll uh, when you get to one of the areas where there's going to be the the whatever like shape that you need to look at you'll see that kind of uh, you know you'll see it around the environment and it's just kind of an issue of looking at the in the right direction to to find it I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, like, there was one that I was just, like, super stuck on. I'm like, why oh, can I not find it? And, and and then, like, it took me a long, like, this is going to be a little bit later, but one of the one of the Odin's trials, I got stuck for a while, too. And then um, I, I didn't know the correct way to solve the perspective one until, like, the third one I, I did. Like, the first two were kind of just accidents. Like, I didn't know I did anything specific to solve it. And it wasn't until the third one I realized, oh, this is what I have to do. Is that the one with the bridge that you had to look at the right direction? I think so. Okay. And it just was like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing incorrectly or what I need to be doing. But then by the third one, I was like, cool, I got it. (laughs) I figured it out. Um... So yeah, you guys want to get into the game then? I guess the only other thing is the lore stones, which are basically the, uh, I guess you could say collectibles in this game. And these are like these little beacons or whatever that you find throughout um, a chapter. And uh, they kind of give you lore, uh, Norse mythology lore. So about Odin and Siegfried and Sigmund and Fenrir and just like all these different characters from... uh, Norse mythology, it kind of tells you a story. I'm not really sure w- what it's there for. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. Other than to, I guess, like give you some. I don't even know if it follows like North myth- Norse mythology like that strictly, or maybe it's just to give you some a little bit of background as far as that stuff. But I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea, but it, it just. Did you get all of them? Because I assume since you're the collectible person that... You assumed wrong. <laughs> I missed three. I felt bad. I, I When I realized I missed one, I, I went back. But you can only get it... Um, what am I trying to say? So once you... The game, the way they divvy it up is in the chapters. And once you pass a chapter, if you like... I realized, oh, I missed one in the god of illusions section so i went back and found it but it wouldn't unlock the new one for me it would just play an old one so you could only 
activate new ones on the chapter when you're in the chapter. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So I missed two in the beginning and one... Uh, actually, I missed all three in the by the middle. Yeah, so... I think the only thing you get out of it is there's a different ending, like a me and Trevor were talking yeah. about it, and it was just kind of like a nod to one of the characters in the game, but I don't think it's like that big of a deal. It's like a bonus a bonus cutscene or something like that. I don't think it really does anything else beyond that. But let's get into this game. Um, so, I guess the, 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 the crux of this game is you're playing as Sin, Sinua. Sin, Sinua? Am I saying it right? And she's basically a Celtic warrior hoping to free the soul of her dead lover, um, Dillian, from Viking hell. So she has um, his skull, (laughs) I guess, and she's trying to take it to Helheim to uh, basically uh, free his soul. And the whole crux of this game or whatever is is that she is dealing with her issues she's like there's a lot of fear and uncertainty in her and that's why these voices are affecting her in the way that they're affecting her and she is um every step along the way she's like falling apart like she's scared of this rot and she's scared of um death and her body is decaying and her mind is like succumbing to this she keeps uh talking about this darkness um and like her backstory is she was uh she met this guy dillian uh she basically was from this village and she was a warrior she was taught by i think her father um her mother i believe also had the same quote-unquote gifts is what they refer to as her and she died, her mother died at a young age, so her father raised her really, really strict, and it was kind of almost damn near an abusive household, and he just forbade her from going out, and I think one of the times she did go out, she met this guy, Dillian, at this tree, and they hit it off, and she wanted to be with him, and her father forbade it. So one of the it, things and, that I read, and this is uh, after I, I don't even know what, the game, like, what happened beyond but, that, but um, basically this guy, um, Dillian, is the love of her life, and killed he passed her mother away. because She's he really believed stri- like this, stricken with grief like she carried about the same psychosis that was passed to, down to Senua, basically, and he believed it to be some kind of the story curse, of her coming like, to um, and so he basically burned her with um, like at the stake, like a like everything a going on around her, <laughs> all and, this um, death and uncertainty. And he was abusive to Senua, and, um, and that, along with Dillian's death, you know, is what caused like the mental breakdown mm-hmm. of, of Senua, and kind of why you're going on this, or not why you're going on this quest, but like throughout this quest, it's basically about you kind of um, uh-huh. dealing with these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you got, Greg? Uh, I guess nothing right now. I mean, uh, still kind of early on, I guess, Who's in the story part. So. Yeah. Oh, hello. So, like, um, some of her earlier uh, things she has to do, she needs to get into Helheim, and she's... Helheim is behind a gate, and Helheim is being run or looked over by Hela, 
um, which is what a, a, a daughter of in the in, so. I think in the lore stone oh, it says I that she's it. a daughter um, of Loki. On the on the wiki it says in Norse mythology. But I, I know in Marvel it's not that way. <laughs> Hella, Hella. Because in 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 Norse mythology, well, shoot, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm on I'm on a uh, freaking Google and like, yeah, yeah. So she's Loki's daughter, and she basically runs Helheim or whatever version of Hell, I guess, in, is in North, Norse mythology. And so she basically says, in order to have access to this place, you need to basically de- fight the god of fire and the god of illusion. So then at this point, you get to kind of choose which one you want to deal with first. Um, I don't really think it matters. You're going to have to fight both. So, uh, with the God of Fire, um, they do something really cool with the puzzles where you basically have to get to a symbol, and then once you activate the symbol, uh, you are almost transported back into the situation when all these corpses and everything was dying or was, was on fire, and you have to escape this section. You know, you're succumbing to, you know, the smog and all the smoke and everything and just coughing, but you're just trying to get to this gate and (laughs) your path is kind of blocked off in fire, depending on how you take and everything. So that was kind of interesting. Um, And then you fight the fire god. uh, I forgot his name. Not necessarily the boss. I thought the um, getting to the boss was pretty cool. I think this boss, um, everything burning around you. I think um, this is when I learned about the focus. I can't remember the, the boss where you learned about focus. I did first, because he just has a giant flaming sword that he spins around. This was and like it's kind of really hard cool to get in on him. Immersive scene the, the where you're, are telling you to you're basically focus, trying to get through focus. everything. <laughs> and all that. Um, yeah. Do you have anything about the fire boss, either you two? Uh-huh. Okay. What you, Greg? Um, <clears throat> I felt like the boss fight was... Okay, I mean, uh, the the combat's not like the strongest suit of the game, um, but kind of like what Trevor was saying, the uh, I did appreciate the area and kind of how they set it up, and I'm still trying to at this point trying to get a feel for the world, and and I'm really thinking that this is going to be like or what I was thinking, what was going to lead into it was we're going to find out that she's the reason why all of this stuff was happening, all the dead bodies and like all the fire and stuff like that. So that that I guess that was where my mind was going at that point. Mm-hmm. And then you go from the god of fire to the god of illusion, Valraven, and his section was there was a lot of cool the that that's where you first see those those rune puzzles that Trevor was alluding to, and I thought those were really those were like some of my those were my favorite puzzles in the game. Um, and uh, the fight itself was a little bit funky because you're fighting. I think he's a bird, a raven or something. A raven, duh. And um, it just this. I actually like. I didn't know which was which, so I actually fought him first. And so I was very iffy on combat at the, at the point still. And he wrecked me. Like I died a bunch of times on him. Um, I I didn't really know what was going on or what I needed to do. 
Because he had Did a lot. Did they mention the focus there at all? Because I could see that, that fight being a little annoying if they... No, no. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, so I, I played I played him first. Then I played the Fire God. And the Fire God is when they said focus. Yeah, that's, that's why. So he has a lot of, like, different attacks. And it was just, like, a matter of, like, you know, like, oh, like... Not not only do I need to dodge or block one attack, but now he's doing the two attacks, or he's throwing two swords at you and they're curving, or he's doing the little dive at you or whatever. So it just was a lot. He <laughs> was way harder than the first or than the fireballs for me. Yeah, it kind of sucks that they don't give you because I think the way that it's meant the the fireball seems like that should be the first boss fight. Just the way that they introduce that focus mechanic because I feel like it's not you don't need it but it definitely helps when you're in a bind mm-hmm. 100% it just allows you to get your bearings it, yeah. it allows you to oh um now that I think about let's it slow down you know I, I want to deal with one person I remember at a time that, so I can that battle slow motion um, so I only have to deal with kind one of being difficult where he starts throwing two knives at you um did you guys fight the fireballs or the, the, the illusion one first? You know, he switches it up a little bit more than certain. I does. did the fireballs first. And, like, did you know or did it just, like, look of the draw? No, I just... I, I yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because I wanted to do the fire god first, but I just chose the wrong door. <laughs> and then from there, you finally get through um, the gate to, to hell, and you're, you know, you're on the bridge to hell, and you... Uh, are walking down the bridge and then you see this huge creature which ends up being Hela and she kind of you're scared of her or whatever and you have a lot of self-doubt and she ends up destroying the bridge and you fall into the water and then now you're washed up on the shore and then from there you um, are in a very familiar area where um, there's this tree the tree that you met Dillian at and there's a sword in the tree and it's I think it's called Grammar Grimir or something like that and it's a sword that can slay the gods and it was crafted by Odin and gifted to Sigmund and uh, you basically in order to pull it from the tree you have to complete the trials of Odin and you to earn the shards to reforge the sword and um, man my least favorite yeah so the there's there's four Trials and you can uh, kind of do one where in basically the fire's chasing you. Order you want, and again, this is just like the the, the doors. These aren't marked, so it's just kind of like you don't really know which one you're in until you're in it. Um, but there's the labyrinth trial, a tower trial, a swamp one, and a blindness one. Was there any? Which one stood out to you guys? I guess the, we can we can talk about them. From what was your least favorite, Trevor, and what was your least favorite, Greg? I don't think I have a least favorite one. At least I'm trying to think. Well, I <laughs> I was going to say, well, I guess I'll let you guys go with what's your, your least favorite one. Because I can't think of one that I that I hated. So my favorite trial was probably the tri- uh, tower trial. That was the one with the masks that you could go from being in present day where it was dark and dreary and the tower was run down to going back to the past where the grass and just the land was green and vibrant and then the tower was still in being used um i I don't know why uh i thought that was a really cool mechanic 
just being able to solve puzzles that way where you would open a door and the uh, I mean you'd get into the tower then open the door and the uh, past and then you would go to the current day and it'd be open or anything like that I, I just I really dug it really dug that one do you guys have any opinion on the tower oh one? I thought you were going to tell us your um your least oh, oh I was just going to see if you guys had anything to but add no to yeah that, that that's my my favorite too for those exact same reasons Okay. What about you, Greg? How'd you feel about that one? Um, I'm trying to think. Tower. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was when we were talking about a minute ago. Yeah, okay. So, I dug that puzzle. Um, having to look through the mask to change the uh, the past and, and go to the present. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was probably my second favorite uh, okay. one of the trials. Okay. Um... Then probably my next favorite one was the swamp one. So that was the one where you are, obviously you're in the swamps, and this has the the force perspective puzzles that we had talked about earlier, where you would see something in the environment that was kind of broken and disrepair and like an odd shape. And if you look at it, and it's, how do you say, it's invisible, but it's, like you know it's there, but you can't see it. Yeah. Um. I don't know what that is called. It's transparent, I guess. And if you look at it at the right angle and do the focus, it morphs into a solid shape of a bridge or whatever it, you know, is supposed to be. And then that coupled with the, those gates that Trevor was talking about earlier, where if you would walk through this gate while you're looking at something changing, um, then it would change when you go through the gate. So like, oh, like I can't go through this swamp area because there's these, uh, you know, sticks sticking up out, out of it. So it's blocked. Well, if I look at that section through the gate, it's clear. And then I have to walk through the, uh, the gate in order to make it clear. And then uh, you're, you're just basically, you're in the swamp area. You're trying to get into this house. Once you get in the house, then you... Uh, end up doing this section where these uh you're in this like almost like labyrinth or like maze with this um fire creature that's chasing you and you can't make noises or like there's chains that are hanging in doorways so you have to have to avoid it or if you run run through it you have to make sure you're far enough away from him but you're trying to scan the three rune shapes while outrunning this fire creature that's chasing you that was probably my second favorite trial How'd you guys feel about that one? That was probably my least favorite. And it's because of the part where you're running through that barn or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. the maze. I died on that several times. Oh. Just because... snuck up on you? Well, I felt like I was a good distance from him. But somehow (laughs) it was still getting me. Like, it seemed like as soon as... um, as soon as I would see it and I would turn the corner, it was right there on me. Uh huh. I, I, I didn't always, have time to get away from it. I always felt that way too. I always felt that way. I only I died there once, but the other time when like the fire was actually getting pretty close, I felt like I had enough time to run away. Um, so I didn't have too many issues there. But I think that that ending part was my favorite part of that. Uh, probably my favorite part of the uh, of that trial. Other than I guess the the puzzles are pretty cool too. 
the alternate, not alternate dimension, but, you know, looking through the... Uh, little gate or whatever? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, probably my next favorite one or uh, is probably the Labyrinth one, where you uh, walk into this, like, dingy cave labyrinth, and you have a torch, and you basically, um, you are going through this labyrinth, and you're going to th- towards the sounds of this man that's screaming that you believe to be um, Dillian. And I like this one because it plays, it further plays with the sound coming from one side or the other. So you kind of know where you need to go based off of what side of your headphones you're hearing the scream coming from. So I really dug that. Plus, I mean, just it was a labyrinth and it was kind of tricky because it was very tense for me because I would like try to in my head be like, okay, I went here, went here, went here, you know, right, left, left. And then I'm like, why is this as you're going, you're lighting your path and I'd get to some parts. I'm like, wait a second. I shouldn't like if if I'm thinking about this correctly, I shouldn't have lit this i don't remember seeing this flag or this thing being lit is there something else here or did i just is it just like supposed to creep me out or whatever and it had me second guessing myself and yeah that 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 one was a really tense environment for me i i it was fine it wasn't like i liked it more than i disliked it i should say how about that how'd you guys feel about the labyrinth bye (laughs) <laughs> it was probably my second least favorite. So you said the swamp was your least? Um, yeah. Okay, and what about you, Greg? Uh, what was my least favorite? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I had, like, a least favorite, man. Like, I thought they were, like, either good or they were just kind of, like, middle of the road. Gotcha. Disliking you. Yeah, well, I was. I like three of the four. So my least favorite was. The I one. knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna hate this part of the game. It was the blindness one, man. Uh, the one. No, it's not. <laughs> any any darkness, man. I I any any just because of the the the, the mood of this game. I I just uh, no. Um, this one. Um, so there's no light. You're in this. I don't want to say pitch black, but very dimly lit uh, environment. And you're just kind of listening to what's going on around you and trying to use the context clues. It's a really good job as far as the, you know, when you're playing with the headphones, just the the atmosphere and then just the environmental sounds do a really good job of like placing you in an area. But this entire time, I think Greg even pointed this out earlier was that um the voices aren't talking to you at this section it's just you and dillian which loki is a voice (laughs) you know and um he's kind of guiding you and kind of not telling you what to do but like okay what do you feel um do you hear that or you need to get towards the river or something like that running water and um it's okay. Like, I was weirded out because I was thinking stuff was going to pop up. And then, lo and behold, there's these, like, weird blob creatures that you need to sneak around. And it was very tense because they have, like, a patrol route, if you will, that mm-hmm. they're going along. And um, 
the very first one you see, like you have to basically walk right next to him, and the game sets you up because they hang some metal chains over a doorway, so like you're not supposed to see him. But I saw them, and I didn't run into them. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like the entire time, and then like you, I mean, as you get further and further along, you're just there's more and more of these blob creatures. And you need to, like, walk slowly, stay out of the light. Well, there's not really light, but, like, not make that much noise. Try to keep your distance from them. When you get close, the game kind of, I want to say, like, your controller rumbles. And, like, the the screen kind of gets, like, I don't know. Like, there's this effect that happens on the screen. Like, it gets a little blurry when you get close to let you know you're kind of in danger. And... I don't know, like, it, it just, I was tense the entire time, and I, it just made me feel uncomfortable, and I just didn't want to know what would happen if I got caught, and I, I didn't realize I didn't like stealth, well, actually, I knew I don't like, I, I know I don't like stealth when there's nothing you can do to, you know, like, defend yourself, I don't like that kind of stealth, and I'm assuming like, that um... you love this one, I know Greg did, <laughs> This was my second favorite. <laughs> How? I thought you don't like stealth. It. This is easy stealth. Is it though? This is like um, um, out more like Outlast than um, Evil Within. Can't do it. So, so what does that mean? Oh, um, it's <laughs> it's less combat focused, I guess. I mean, sure. So, like, if you get caught, you're bodied, right? I don't know what happens when you get caught. Yeah. Do you die automatically? Um, I don't know. I didn't get caught. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get caught either, but I just was like, I I just, yeah, man, I just, ugh. I didn't want to imagine what what would happen. What you're saying is the developers did their job. They did their job. It made me definitely feel uneasy and I was very tense and I just didn't want to do it and I, I had that that fear of getting caught and so I didn't get caught so yeah it, it, it was effective but my uncomfort uncomfortableness I don't really rate that high in gameplay <laughs> good job you made me feel uncomfortable and I don't want to do it again <laughs> what about you Greg um yeah, like I said, I, I think this is like my favorite section just because uh, how different it is and, and how eerie of a feeling it is when you're trying to navigate this. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, I think that's probably why I like it so much. And, and don't get me wrong, like just the thing I'm, I figured uh, I want to point out about the trials is like all of them feel vastly different. But and I do think the blindness and the tower one are the two best at introducing a new thing that hadn't previously been used or seen in the game before. You know, like you're going to. There's not another section of the game where you're like going back and forth between old world and new world, and there's not a section of the game where you have stealth. You know. But there's a section of the game when you're running from a creature, or there's a section of the game when you're lighting a dark area or something like that, having a torch. So um, I, I do think those two stand out as like cool things. Um, 
but yeah, after you do the trials, then you get the sword of the grammar or grammar or whatever. And I think from there, I don't remember what happens, but you end up in the sea of corpses. And then the thing that's worth pointing out is I want to say the trials of Odin, um, that entire section, there's no combat. And I think the developers knew. They were like, dang, man, we had like a full hour and a half to two hours of no <laughs> combat. How? What are we going to do? Are, are they going to forget how to do combat? And they were like, you know what? What we'll do is we'll put a section of the game in where it's just combat. And they're going to love it. And so that's the Sea of Corpses. And I think this is the part where Trevor said, "Is this? did you get to the part where it's not fun anymore? <laughs> this I'm part and sure the next part. Okay. Yeah, I figured. So the Sea of Corpses is literally like, you're just in like a... Remember that section of Detroit Become Human where the, the AI robot body parts? Oh, yeah. It's it's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're just in this area. It's like the river or the water is red with blood. It's blood, essentially. And the walls and just the environment are these hands and feet and just human bodies just sticking out and trying to claw and kick at you. And... You end up fighting like three waves or I think three waves of enemies at this part. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. There's no, I don't know. There's nothing really going on beyond the combat. And it just was like, oh, I get it. Like you, you want us to play some more combat. So, or, you know, you, you thought we missed this. So you just threw a whole bunch at us. And I could just could have really just done without the section of the game. Yeah, I'm kind of insane, but I wasn't, you know, wasn't upset about it. Um, but yeah, like it's not like it's a uh, very riveting <laughs> gameplay section. So and and I thought this was the end of the game when I got to it, so I was just like eager to to push forward just to finish it. Yeah. Little did you know, there's more. But wait, exactly. there's more. <laughs> and so, like, I, the one thing I will say is this next section, you get into Helheim and you're in Helheim. It is more of the same combat-wise, but there is more things going on. Because this is where you you deal with Fenrir or whatever that beast creature is. And there's a lot more going on in this section. So while it is, like going from combat scenario to combat scenario, they have the puzzle section beforehand where it's like um, you're in a dark area and anytime you're in the shadows, this creature appears and you need to run from it. So you need to run from light section to light section. And then it even gets to the point where you have a torch and you're crawling through a cave or you're crawling through um something and then like you have to go underwater or go underneath the waterfall and your torch goes out so then you need to like just jet to get to the next light source and at least there's a gameplay element between the combat scenarios and there's puzzle solving so that i did like helheim a great deal more than i like the sea of corpses yeah i can agree with that Um... and this is when i was telling you with the the uh the um, voices, like, you know, um, telling you that uh, 
oh, he sees you, he can feel you, he's watching you, he, he smells you, like all that. And then we're just like, what are they talking about in this entire section of the game? You don't know what the creature looks like, but you just know you've been, you're being stalked almost. Yeah. And then at the very end of it, you actually fight it. And that fight was really hard <laughs> for me. I think it was probably the hardest fight for me in the game. I don't remember having a problem with it. He's like this... It's like this four-legged creature, and it has like a couple of different attacks, so it has like a body slam. It does this attack where it shoots like some type of smoke or something at you. um, It has like a charge attack, and it has an attack where it like... So you can only fight it in the light, but it's like it has an attack where it can make everything dark. And then it just disappears and it just charges you out of nowhere and you really can't see. So you kind of have to just dodge last minute. And I just remember it just being really tough because he could just basically, at least for me, one attack, hit, he hit me once and I'd be downed. So it was like me constantly having to go down every time he hit me. Um, so I, I died maybe like three or four times on him. And it just was like a... I feel like I'm doing a lot of damage, or I've done a lot of damage, but I, I, he's still fighting me, you know? And I think this is the section, too, I mean, maybe a little bit before, where you start getting those sightings of your dad, the live-action actor, or, you know, not actor, but yeah. cutscenes of your dad's deep-ass, bass-filled voice. <laughs> and he's like telling you about the darkness and like chastising you for the decisions you're making and it's just like really weird and I think it culminates with this creature who I think is supposed to be like her interpretation of her dad and that's why she's been running from it this entire time I believe what do you guys think of this fight? I guess Trevor you didn't have an issue with it but why you Greg? Uh, I don't think I had any really big issues with it uh I ended up having to use focus a good bit. I felt like that kind of helped me out. Um, but yeah, other than that, just kind of getting a good uh, feel for the attack patterns and that's about it. I guess maybe because I couldn't tell, like, I thought there was like a certain like light or darkness that you had to be in in order to fight him, but I could never tell if it was like an actual thing or if it was my mind playing tricks on me. So, like, I was just constantly fighting him with, like, I couldn't see. And I would just have to, like, dodge it based off of timing. Yeah, like, so the slam, the little, like, body slam attack he does, that's kind of easy to kind of hear and then dodge. But, like, yeah, I do I do get you that there's a, a part where, like, it's kind of dark and it's hard to see him. So, I don't know if this is like a legit tactic, but I was always trying to run for whatever little light source I could find to stay in so I could see him. Um, but I know he does have an attack that like uh, impairs your vision, I think, if he hits you with it. So. Yeah, and I kept getting hit by that or maybe just fighting out. Because I was just constantly side dashing or side strafing or whatever. Yeah. And I think I was just going in a circle that was also outside of this the 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 light. Mm-hmm. And then I would get hit by his darkness one, so it just felt like the entire fight I was always in the dark. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> um, and then yeah, then you uh, just progress more, and you get to Hella Sanctum, and this is when you 
are kind of coming to terms a little bit. Um, I think in this chapter, you... Uh, well, what happens in this chapter? This is the part where I almost quit. <laughs> Why'd you almost quit? Because um, isn't this the chapter where you basically have to repair that bridge? Yeah, you have to repair the bridge. That's right, yeah. So that that was the cool part. It was getting across the bridge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they throw more enemies. Once you get on the bridge, they just yep. throw hella enemies that, at you. That's another horde mode. And that was the part Actually, I was telling you about where, like, I died a couple of times just from fatigue. And um, mm-hmm. and every time I came back, um, it would have less, or it was either less enemies or the weaker enemies. Because I remember it started you off with, like, the ones that do, like, the heavy attacks on you. Mm-hmm. But then it started throwing, like, the, the weaker enemies at me. So, one recommendation I saw when I was reading stuff about this game was people were saying to put the game on easy for the combat because the only thing that changes is just the uh, the amount of uh, the amount of damage they take, and it, it's almost better to just do that just so you can get through stuff like that than to just kind of bog it down with like you know having to sit there and just keep slugging through all these enemies. That's what I should have done. <laughs> I actually didn't have that issue on the bridge. Like I, there was a lot of enemies, and it was definitely a horde mode. But at that point, like I felt like I had got, a, I was at my 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 height as far as like combat. So like, it, don't get me wrong, it was a long ass fight, but I was like in the swing of things at that point, and I was like taking dudes out. I see what you did there. What in the swing of things? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I, to. I didn't have any big issues, but for sure, it, you could definitely feel a little bit of fatigue in, in the combat, like, and I guess at that point in the game, right? Because you know you're so close to the end, and then they're just like, alright, well, let's just throw a bunch of enemies at you. I, like, I will say, though, that of the sections of the game, like, it really only was a problem for me in that Sea of Corpses section, just because there was nothing else at least in the other two, like, oh, I had to do this puzzle, or there was something else beyond just that section, just the combat. Um, but yeah, you, you build the bridge, you defeat all the fools, and then you get to Hella's Sanctum, and you have to, like, fight more hordes <laughs> of enemies. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of when I just was like, man, like... This boss better be tight or some, you know, like hell is this huge, like I don't know, silhouette of a person. <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it. And so you get thrown a whole bunch of enemies at you, take them out, and then you uh, go a little bit further across this bridge, and she knocks you down and destroys the bridge, and then you have to fight like previous enemies, like previous bosses. So you fight the beast, and you fight the. Um, Valraven, and you fight uh, Surtur, the god of fire, and then you, after you defeat them, then you fight uh, just the fodder enemies, I guess. Or no, you you defeat the 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 the, the previous bosses, and you get to the third part, and then you fight like just hella enemies, and you fight hella enemies, and you fight hella enemies, and you fight hella enemies, and then it's like, when are they gonna stop? And then, like, you 
like, can can you do you remember Greg if the voices tell you to stop fighting or yeah. if you just? I think they say something about uh, just give up or something like yeah. that. Or and I'm here thinking they're talking shit. No, they're. <laughs> Well, I thought that too at first, but then they start getting a lot more sincere. Like, you don't have to fight anymore. It's... I mean, you're right, but I just thought they were talking shit. So, <laughs> I'm like, mashing when I go down. I'm like, yo, like, I just, I took out like six dudes, and now I feel like it's like, what? it was like one on five, and then it was one on six, then one on seven, then one on eight. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I'm like, damn. <laughs> and... This is when I got really, really frustrated with the combat. Because I was like, I know they're not about to throw all these enemies at me. I can literally see them spawning. And, like, when does this end? Like, is there something that I'm not doing? And then I just finally died. And I was so frustrated that I was like, oh, I got a cutscene. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated. And then the, the, the thing, too. So I had this issue. This is when I had the issue on PC. Is, um after doing that first section, when you go to the second section to fight the bosses, I get to that section, and um, every time I get to, like, the third boss, the game froze on me. And I did it, like, four, five times in a row. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what's going on? And it's some, like, driver issue with my video card or whatever. It was something that they never fixed. The developers didn't do. So I had like a there was a couple of different it was a fatal what was it called it was some type of fatal error and like i i was googling like how do people fix this because i was thinking like i'm just not gonna be able to finish this game then and apparently it was an issue that they people had from like when the game first launched and some people like couldn't like they started the game and then it would just freeze on them and some people it just happened in the middle of the game some people happened at the end of the game and um, I just ended up, what I ended up doing was dropping my video settings from, like, ultra high to medium. And I was able to finish out the rest of the game. But it was, like, super, super glitchy after that. So, like, characters would, like, the the, the final cutscene for me, uh, it was just flashing, like, this colors every time the camera was in this specific section of the game, or the, the, the level, it would just flash purple, and then flash pink, then flash green, then flash blue, then red, then purple, then pink, then, and like like that. And then the, the skull, <laughs> when, um, when uh, Hella picked it up, had these two long, like, polygonal things sticking out of it, all the way, just infinite, uh, like, out of each side of the skull. And so it just looked like she was just picking up this, like, super huge thing and just dropping it. And when it dropped it, it was rotating and the thing was, like, super glitchy. And it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, you, you die and then um, you just basically at this point you go to cutscene and Hella's, like talking over you and just talking about how you can't win and you try to make a deal with her to like save Dillian's soul and um return she'll you'll send you will be her hell warrior for the rest of her life or whatever rest of her days and then I don't think Hela's really like down with that and then I think she ends up like Cindy was like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm not scared of you. I'm not. I'm no longer afraid of you. I'm no longer afraid of the darkness. I have no fear now. And then Hella's like, oh, bet. And then she stabs her. <laughs> and then um, 
and then Hella, like, I mean, Senua was like, I guess, you know, the end of her life or whatever, she's starting hallucinating, talking to Dillian again, and she's just like, slowly breathing, slowly breathing, and just as she's bleeding out. And then, uh, Hella picks up Dillian's skull and then just drops it off the edge. And you see the skull, like, fall down the edge of whatever she's standing over. And then it cuts back up to her, and it's no longer Hella, it's Sindua. And then the game, I think, ends damn near. And I was like, what happened? What was going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm still confused about that. I had to look up uh, uh, some stuff about the ending. And even then, it's still kind of like, I, I guess... So do you do you have it, Trevor? Um, from what I remember, like since the entire game is basically Senua kind of confronting her own internal um, uh, dilemmas that that mm-hmm. basically lead to her psychosis. Um, you know, it ends up being one of those kind of cliche. You know, the real enemy is you. Or you're your biggest enemy, whatever. And and so that's kind of what it turns out to be, is that she's actually hella, or at least in her own mind. So I have this, this is like the best short slash concise ending explanation that I could find. And basically, like, the entire game is about Senua just kind of coming to terms with all these things that she hasn't come to terms with. And so the ending is basically her just letting go. She found the source of her fears and faced them. And only in that literally infinite battle, she realized that she can't win. Um, Did she accept this? Uh, Throughout the game, she had been put through pointless trials, fooled by illusions and attacked by ghosts of enemies from the past, um, all on her way to somehow save the soul of the only person who just accepted her in life and gave her a temporary shelter from her own darkness, which is Dillian. Uh, She couldn't bear the thought of Dillian being lost completely to her, so she made up this quest in her mind to save his soul, walking around with his head and experiencing things that only she could see. But these things only existed in her head, including the curse, the the dark rot or whatever, Uh, the beast, Hela, and Dillian's soul still being out there somewhere waiting to be released. Because throughout this game, Dillian is also like somebody that's spurring her along. Um, so when she finally let go, Hela seemingly killed her, but Hela wasn't real. Sinua herself was Hela, and she killed the part of her that wouldn't accept Dillian's death. This is metaphorically explained in the scene where Hela drops Dillian's head up from the cliff. And when the camera goes back, we see Sinua instead of Hela. And that's like literally her just letting go of like all these things that she has... Uh, been going through and it says the voices are still there the darkness is still there but at least she's not struggling to change what happened and that helped her accept the reality of things a bit more and i think the best way i read it being described is like mental illness and like like the things that were plaguing her are things that you can win or just get over so like that's why the voices in the darkness are still there it's like she can deal with it but she has to learn how to accept it she's not gonna they're never gonna all the way disappear and i think that was a really good way of depicting mental issues and mental health where it's like you you don't win by just getting rid of it like just getting it under control is winning and so i think the game does a really really good job of 
kind of putting you in a person that's dealing with those issues in their shoes. And I think it has a really cool ending once I read up on it, because it, it was kind of hard to know what was going on in the moment, you know? And it almost, I almost want to play this game again, just to experience it now, knowing what I know. <laughs> Get the rest of those lore stones. Well, I was thinking <laughs> that, but then I was like, oh, I'm not really looking forward to the combat. I, I, w- I was wondering, did you know the ending between your two playthroughs, Trevor? Um, I think I looked it up because I watched the dev um like diaries that after you beat it yeah um and it kind of touches on that but yeah once i did finish the game i was still a little bit confused Mm um i mean it's just one of those endings that's kind of it almost seems like they leave it ambiguous but it has more of a symbolic meaning definitely did that make any sense greg do you have any questions no, I think that uh, it kind of made sense. It, it definitely, like, I left the game immediately. Like, what the hell did I just play? Like, what's going on, you know? And then I, I talked to Dante a little bit about it because he had played this previously. And then um, I uh, also did some reading today about it. And I kind of like, oh, that that makes more sense. And that like, because I knew there was something going on, but it was just kind of hard to, I feel like of the I'm usually a little bit more tuned into the story, but it was this, it was a little bit difficult to follow because I mean, we, we knew that she was going through things, but it was kind of hard to know what was actual happening, actually happening. What was, you know, in her mind because we, we just don't know because we're seeing it from her point of view, you know? And the game's also asking you to piece together like some of these things too. It doesn't necessarily like give you a, a prologue or a synopsis like once you start up the game saying, you know, this is you know where things are right now and this is where you pick up. Yeah, there, there's there's the best way I can describe it is is like there is no gamifying it at all. It's just like you start the game up and you're in it. You yeah. know, I don't know, like it's very much like, like what Greg was saying. I think he said this game the developers wanted to do like a indie game or tell the story of an indie game with a triple A budget or I don't remember exactly the wording but it definitely when I heard him say that that kind of clicked in my mind I was like yeah I can definitely see that because like the story and just the, the content that they are trying to tackle it's not something that you see in a lot of big big games um, and I feel like they kind of cover yeah i feel like they do a really good job of tackling that issue and telling that story and they just have the budget to like make it look really really nice <laughs> like it definitely doesn't look like a 30 dollar game no <laughs> like not at all no like this game looks gorgeous the other thing i was gonna say was in the cutscenes. this game does something that i think makes the graphics stand out much more like especially when it comes to 3d art is mm-hmm. um like playing with the the um field of uh the depth of field mm-hmm. like when you see certain things go in and out of focus like while Sinu was talking she does a lot of like talking to the camera yeah 
I think that sort of thing, like the cinematography behind it, makes it look even better, and it just kind of adds to like the the motion capture and all the uh, voice acting and everything. And then there's a lot of two where they do that with the the actors too, or you know the the, the cutscenes where they're using real people, but they, I mean, one of them they kind of blur his face a little bit just to kind of make it seem like it's is this real or is this not and then the other one they they deepen his voice but like you could tell like this is a real person and i don't know like i don't know do they do that in any of the other ninja theory games greg that you've played Uh, i'm sorry what was that the using real actors like i know they did that in enslaved but it, it makes sense to me in enslaved it doesn't make sense to me in this game they they did in Heavenly Sword, and uh, I don't think they did it in DMC. Okay. And at least with DMC, though, they're working from a pre-existing franchise. Yeah. Or series, so maybe that's why they decided to hold it back. But do you think that does anything for you? Or do you think that takes away or adds anything, I guess? What I, should be it de- I guess it depends on... It, I guess it depends on the the game itself, and then also the story they're trying to tell, and like what actors. I guess there's a lot of factors that can kind of come into play, but I don't think it. I think it does in the scenario that they use it or how they use it in Hellblade. I think it helps a lot in like immersing you in the game because it, it. I mean, it, you know, the facial animation is like spot on. You know, it looks. You know, these people look like you know, especially uh, Snoo. She. She looks like she's going through something, you know? She does, but she's also the one that isn't like a... She's the only one that's depicted animated, you know? The other two characters. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess the, the first guy that you meet, the... Druth. Um, Druth. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of Him too. Animated. Him too. But yeah, like, the one thing I will say, and I don't know... Like, it wasn't always this way, but it was like... Man, like, it, it kind of took me out, kind of, when it was the... Cybill, her father, because sometimes his mouth didn't sync up with the 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 audio. So he would be it's like watching almost like an old kung fu movie where like he's talking, but like his lips are not caught up to the dialogue that I'm hearing, and it's like oh this is kind of jarring. Like I'm I'm noticing this and I'm paying attention to that and not even listening to what he's saying. And, like, it, it didn't happen every time, but I could think of, like, two cutscenes where I did notice that. And I'm like, like, it never happened when it was Sinua or with Drew, the, the animated characters. And, like, the other guy, um, when it was Dillian, when it was him talking, like, um, he, uh, when it was the human version of him or whatever, um, it, it was so few and far between that I didn't notice it. But because this character was way more prominent in the back half of the game... Like, it was like every other one, it seemed like his his audio would be off. And it just, like, dropped me out a little bit. But even still, like, I think even without it, it just would have been a weird stylistic choice because I don't even know if Druth was depicted by an actual person or animated. And, like, to me, it would have been, like, you might as well have done Sinua that way, too, personally. I feel like you should do all everybody that way or nobody that way. It's how I would have preferred it. I, I guess, and also, just maybe because I'm such an enslaved fan, like, it, it makes a little bit more sense to me, because they're like, what you're playing is, like, damn near, like, 
are what you're seeing when it's the real people or simulations of like everyday life. Yeah. And in this game, it's just kind of like, oh no, that's her dad. That's a memory of her dad talking to her, or that's a memory of her love of her life talking to her. But it's just kind of like, why doesn't she look the same as them? <laughs> so yeah, uh, I guess did we did we got anything else we need to say about Hellblade? Just got anything you need to add? Uh, okay. Well, I guess the the important question: Did you enjoy the game? Million dollar question. Trevor, what do you think? <laughs> you go first. I will say I was not disappointed by this game. Um, I, when I played this, it was, like I said, I, I was specifically bought a PS4 around this time to play all the exclusives that I was behind on. And this was one of those games that made me buy a PS4. So it, it did not disappoint. What about you, Greg? Um, so initially I wasn't really sure if I liked it, but I think after finish, even, even finishing the game, I was still kind of unsure about it, but after kind of sitting there and thinking about it for a little bit, um, I really did enjoy it, man. Um, I'm glad I got to play it. It, it didn't overstay its welcome, you know, maybe if it was like a, um, a 10 hour game or 11 hour game or something like that, I might feel a little bit differently about it, but I think the the story that it told within that time, um, it was really done well. I'm kind of split the difference for you guys. It was fine. <laughs> like, I really, really wanted to like the game. And I would say, like, the first, very much like Room Fandango, almost like uh, the first half of the game, I really dug. But, like... The the thing the thing is like the game does a really really effective job of being tense and making it anx- making me anxious, and so I never looked forward to continuing playing the game. Uh, there was always like a little bit of dread in in me when I was like playing, just because I was like not looking forward to being in that mindset, and I think that is props to them. But I, I, I just, there was so much, it was so much combat heavy in the back half. And mm-hmm. like I said, like, I was decent. I mean, I got good at the combat, but it was never fun. And I, I did think the puzzles and all that was really fun in this game, but they kind of just pushed that to the wayside in the back half of the game. And you kind of had to focus on the part of the game that I didn't really like so much. So overall, this game was fine. Um, I wish I liked it more than I than I'm letting on, but I don't know. It's just like I, I, I had I not read uh, the ending of this game and just like kind of let let it go as it was, I probably wouldn't have played it. Thought about playing it ever again, but now that I know uh, what actually has happened, I was kind of like in the back of my mind. I was like, I would like to play this again, knowing what I know. But even now, like, I'm like, well, I'm probably not going to do that. It probably won't be for a couple of years if I were to ever come back and play this game again. It wasn't bad. It just was, you know, like... <laughs> it wasn't offensive. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> um, do you guys have... Uh, I have a question, if you guys don't have a question. I don't have one. 
So if you could throw like real people in the same way that they do in this game, whether it be cutscenes or just just in general, you could throw real people in a genre, a, a game genre. Which kind of game or genre would you do it in? And I know that's a weird question, but like, I guess I could go first. I think I would like playing like some type of military shooter, but maybe not. Like, I think the the, the common answer would be like a World War Two or whatever. But I, I think it would be cool to play like a futuristic shooter where you uh, see the cutscenes with real people. But maybe from a first-person point of view, so you can see like your character's arms or whatever, and then you can see your teammates in the battlefield, and then like you know, like in between chapters or whatever, when they're loading up the campaign or loading up whatever the scenario is, whatever the mission briefing is, you're sitting on the helicopter getting taken to the mission or whatever. You see that in first person, and then, bam! Uh, now that you're in the game and it's pixelated and everything, I think that could be cool. Mm. I guess the first thing that comes to mind, I don't even know if I've, if I kind of have like the, the whole question right, but something like maybe cyberpunk, you know, like I could see, I could see that being really cool and, and like that type of game, but. Oh, I just thought of a different, another game too. What about you, Trevor? So I would say, um, since we just recently played one, um, uh, um, visual novel. Oh, no, that was easy. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that's especially a... the way they did it in um, um, uh, Doki Doki. Oh, um, spoil anything, say... but just like the comedic comedic aspects of it. Can you imagine uh, a real life version of Larry Butts, Detective Gumshoe? <laughs> <laughs> And I actually, so I thought of, you know, it would have been cool if it was like Mass Effect. So like, you know, the the aliens would still be like aliens, but it would be cool to see like a, a live action, like Shepard, not Shepard, but, uh, dang, what's the, what's the black dude? Oh, Kanye West? Uh, no, 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 the, the, <laughs> the one that's voiced by Keith David. The one that gave, that gave. I don't remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. Gives you the Normandy. Dang, I can't remember his name now. That's gonna bug me. Hold on, I, I got Captain look David Anderson. Yes, Anderson. Oh, Anderson. And then, like, have you guys been watching um, on Netflix "Love, Death, and Robots"? Yeah, I've watched it. You no. did you finish it? Yeah. Did you okay? You remember the like? It, I'm only a couple episodes in the witness. The episode where the girl sees the guy. Oh yeah, across the from the yeah, apartment. and like that one kept going back and forth between being stylized, animated, and live action. Yeah, that like it, I would like to see a game done that way. That could be really cool. Like I don't think it could be like a, a big budget, you know, like ten hour plus game, but like maybe playing like a forty five to minute to ninety minutes game of like something like that art style would be so sick. Where you're going back and forth, like I don't know, I, I, that that episode was really, really stylish to me, and like I kept thinking, like, is this animated or, and like it, it, it was really cool. So I'm, I'm really digging the show so far, and I'm like, man, I'm like, man, I want to play some, yeah, you know, I, I want to know more about the people that did the animations for some of the stuff, you know. Um. Well, yeah. Uh, you guys got anything else for Hellblade? 
sinuous sacrifice. I'm good. You good, Trevor? Yep. All right. Uh, where can people find you at, Greg? Oh, uh, you guys can uh, hit me up on Twitter at Boombox Hero. Uh, Facebook is the same, Boombox Hero. And on Twitch at twitch.tv slash xdrdmagnegrox. Where can people find you at, Trevor? You can actually find me um, on Instagram. Um, this summer I'm going to be doing a special project um, that's currently in the works. Um, I wish I could give you the the Instagram handle for it, um, but um, haven't quite... This is a solo project? Yeah. Haven't oh, quite okay. finalized it yet. But, um, but yeah, just be on the lookout for that. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Mark underscore Dizzle. And you can find me on Twitter at Potato underscore Salad. Um, I think... No, I won't say, but our next game is going to be Celeste. We are going to do things a little bit differently. Um, but So you guys are going to have to stay tuned to see what we do. Um, looking forward to it. Um, I've heard, I remember Dante playing that game at the end of the year and like being super, super, super hype about it. So I'm, I'm hoping this game is going to maybe be like a Dead Cells 2 for me. <laughs> um, it's a little bit closer to Super Meat Boy. Oh, bummer. I like Super I'm about Meat to say, Boy. I but, thought you liked it. I know, no, I like, I like Super Meat Boy, but I, I was like, man, I hope this game is going to be like Dead Cells. But yeah, I'm still looking forward to playing Celeste, though, because, I mean, I, I heard it's really good platforming, so. Um, you guys got anything else? Any, any other news or anything? I think that's it. Oh, yeah, we got a, um, got a uh, bonus episode on the way. Um, we re- recorded one, so we have one in the, in the, in, I guess on reserve, and then um, we are in the process of process of doing another one. So be on the lookout. We have two bonus episodes uh, potentially coming out. So looking forward to dropping those. So hopefully we can get a couple more people on the second one because uh, y'all need to play that game. <laughs> um. Well, I guess we ain't got anything else going once, going twice. Alright, well, we're missing checkpoints and we're out. Peace.